Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Jeff Cohn with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services in Omaha, Nebraska. Last year, he closed 420 transactions with a total sales volume of $72 million. His average sales price was $171,000, of which 66% were buyers and 34% were sellers. He has a 37-member team, 25 full-time agents, 5 part-time agents, 2 showing assistants, 1 operations manager, 1 sales manager, 1 listing coordinator, 1 buyer's coordinator, 1 client care specialist, 1 sign runner, 2 virtual assistants, and 1 CEO team leader. John Cohn is the team leader of Omaha's elite real estate group. He's been an agent for nine years. He's sold over 1,600 homes worth $288 million in his career. In this call, Jeff talks about how he got a fast start, sold 56 homes, and earned 96000 his first year, why he shadowed 30 top agents around the nation, and what he learned, the three primary lead generation buckets every agent should focus on, how he zero bases his advertising costs with market service agreements, internet lead generation including both PPC and SEO strategies, why 30 internet leads per month per agent is the perfect number, how to create a culture of accountability within your team, his experiment with expansion teams, what worked and what did not, how he generates 50% of his business by repeating referrals from his past clients and sphere of influence, what is circle prospecting and should you do it, the benefits of a call assistant, how to achieve the seventh level and what the eighth level might look like, team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Jeff. Hey, Mike. I'm really excited to be here today. Hey, Jeff. It's great to have you here. Jeff, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Outside of high school, I went on to get a degree in business and went to several different universities, which took me around the country. But I think the thing that would make me uh, the most unique was I spent two years in Brazil, and I was there as a service missionary, teaching English, teaching people about my beliefs, and essentially just helping the people of Brazil. What made you decide to get into real estate? You know, my mom uh, was an assistant. I got her license in 1987. And so when I started first grade, I watched her help my uncle, who at the time was one of the top agents in Omaha, Nebraska. I watched her help him with paperwork and showing houses and stuff like that. So while going to college, I thought real estate might be something I'll I'll explore. And I actually took all of my classes in college versus a crash course school like most real estate agents do. And so outside of college, once I graduated with a degree in business, 
I was exploring what different routes I could go. And what I really loved about real estate was there was no limit. You know, a lot of different jobs that I saw out there, there was a, gra- a glass ceiling and a lot of offers that I was getting were in like the forty to $80,000 a year mark. And, you know, at 22 years old, that's not a bad income. My, my biggest concern was 30 years from that date, what was my income potential? And I needed to see a lot more zeros than what I was seeing. So you decided to dive in. Did you start real estate full-time or part-time? I started full-time. So I got my degree in business in August of 2006, and I was a full-time licensed agent in November of 2006 selling real estate. When you got started, did you have a fast start or a slow start? I would say it was a fast start. I started hitting duty time, and I know that's probably one of your questions is how did I, you know, what was I doing to generate leads? I would do duty time, which in our office, there was a specific location you had to sit and take incoming calls. I was pretty rebellious. I never would sit where I was supposed to sit. I would roam around the office and do my own thing. And then when calls would come in, I'd sprint to the front of the office and grab the call. But I was always, always prospecting. And I think that's going to be key as we go through this call today. I would spend three to four hours a day, five days a week prospecting. In that first year, what did that result in? Do you recall what your stats were your first year? Uh, Absolutely. So I don't consider my first year 2006 because I was only in it for about a month. Um, I consider my first year 2007, and I sold 56 houses, and I netted $96,000. That is really fantastic. And you're out there in Omaha, Nebraska, and the average sales price is not that high. So to hit 96 net your first year is pretty darn impressive. I was pretty happy with it. We really, you know, it's funny um, for those listening that might be selling but living in an apartment or in a rental. For me, it felt somewhat hip- hypocritical to be selling real estate, but from an apartment. But I had just gotten out of college. We had a kid. Uh, we weren't in the situation to own a house in it by any means, and it was pretty incredible to in twelve a twelve month period to be able to go from that to buying our first house and buying nicer cars and you know getting to live the life that we had waited to live since we were young prospecting three to four hours a day in your first year, you must have been pretty determined. What, what kind of drive, what, what were you focused on that allowed you to do that? You know, I think children help, help people redefine their goals. For me, up until I had a family, I just was all about having fun, you know, finding the next thing to do that was, was pleasurable or was exciting. Um, I always knew I wanted to have a successful career in anything I chose to, to go into, but I really feel like once I started having kids and raising a family, that really made me think differently about how I wanted to spend my time and where I wanted my focus to be. And I know that's a question of yours. Uh, what motivated me to be a successful real estate agent? I don't know that it was just real estate. It was whatever I was going to do, I was going to be the best that I could be at that thing. And I really excelled at real estate. It just was, I think, a timing thing in that I grew up in the, the millennial, you know, with the millennials. And when I got my license, it's 2006, the internet bubble just burst essentially, but agents were starting to leverage their business with technology. And I was able to adapt very quickly while a lot of our top agents in our market were in their mid fifties, mid sixties, and were choosing to not adapt. And that's where I think I saw so much growth over the last five to 10 years was essentially catching up and surpassing the competition because they weren't choosing to adapt. Jeff, let's go back for that first year real quick because you had such a great start and we do have some newer people listening. You said you were prospecting. Who were you prospecting to? Great question. I was prospecting to anyone I knew for, for starters. So 
any person that knew my name, any person that you'd run into, you know, at a grocery store and they could call your name out, I would look up their phone numbers and call them. Um, Facebook did exist in 2006. So I actually had had opened up my first Facebook account because I was a student. You had to be a student at the time when I got my Facebook account, which is kind of <laughs> unique. Um, so I came in right from the ground up on that, and I started mar- marketing myself that way as well very early on. And then anytime I could talk to anyone about real estate, I was the guy. I mean, everybody knows that guy that sells you know, multi-level marketing plans and that's constantly pitching things to their friends and family. I honestly was that guy, and I wasn't nervous to be that guy because I believed even from an early age that I was providing extreme value to people considering buying or selling houses. I knew my competition in my market and felt like I could do a better job than anyone else. And so right from the get-go, that was my thought process is that I was truly adding value. So I wanted to talk to everybody about my services and help everybody I knew that was considering buying or selling a house. Jeff, how long have you been in the business now? So uh, this coming November will be nine years. And how many homes did you sell last year? Uh, last year, our team sold 420 units, and we did about $72.7 million in volume. Would you mind disclosing to everyone what your GCI was on that? I wouldn't mind at all. My gross commission income was $1.7 million. Uh, that's how much commission was written to me. And then I ended up netting 33% of that. So I keep about a third of the GCI. I made over $500,000 last year in net income. You've got off to a really fast start this year. Can you tell us some of your year-to-date numbers for 2015? Yeah, absolutely. So as of this recording, we're about two quarters in, um, and our team's at 360 units and $66 million in volume. Uh, we're on pace right now. We believe we'll end the year at 700 units and $125 million in volume. Wow. So you're almost doubling from last year. We are. Was that your goal to double each year? How, how are you getting these big numbers? People ask us all the time. And Okay, so one of the things I did, Mike, that I felt like was really unique um, as I learned how to expand is I went out and visited top real estate agents all across the country, much like your offering with bringing top agents together and talking about their business. Instead of just getting two hours of pure content, I would reach out to individuals that I was impressed by or that had models that I wanted to follow, and I would ask them if I could come visit for a day. And everyone I reached out to allowed me to come visit. I've been to 30 different states, 30 different brick and mortars, and spent a whole day with top producers. And so as I did that for my first couple of years, uh, when I had decided to start building a mega team, I would be able to come back to Omaha. I'd spend six months implementing the things I learned, and then I'd go back out and learn again, implement the things I learned, and go back out and learn again. We've grown from 2011 to today. We've gone from 80 units to 700 units. And I've never seen a team grow that fast in a four-year period. And the reason we've grown so fast is, one, is that knowledge base and application. Number two is I have put my focus on things that matter most. And the three tiers to a successful real estate team, number one is lead generation. Number two is lead conversion, which I feel like is forgotten most often in the speak regarding successful teams. And number three is recruiting agents to work the leads to convert the leads, to add agents to work the leads to convert the leads. And so I put my focus in those three buckets. And then, of course, within each of those buckets, and we'll get into this a little bit deeper today, we are the best that we can possibly be so that we can have the most success possible. We will go deeper into each of those three areas. Jeff, how many homes have you sold in your career now? 
Yeah, you know, it's kind of fun to tally that up. I had never looked at that until this interview was coming up. And to date, I'm at 1,600 units and $288 million in volume. You have a concept that I'd like to talk about for a minute. It's called the expansion team, expansion team concept. And I know it's getting a lot of traction out there in the, in the real estate. We're starting to hear more about it. I'd like to get your, your view on it. What is an expansion team? What does that mean to you? Sure. So yeah, I really love speaking about this and this is going to be my future over the next 10 to 20 years. So there's a lot of real estate agents, practitioners, owners that don't know the direction they want to go. And traditionally top producing agents like myself had to have decisions to make. We can a continue being a rainmaker selling real estate and building our team B continue running our team and getting into other businesses on the side. C we can buy a real estate office and continue running our team or D, which I believe a majority of agents will start selecting, is we can expand our teams into neighboring markets. And so team expansion is when you have two or three, let's say you have a city 40 minutes away, and it's not really a city you serve, you just refer business there. Well, instead of referring business there, you start a team there. And you utilize your hub where you're running your current business from to provide the leads, to provide the back office transaction coordinating, to provide the marketing, and it essentially becomes the hub, the headquarters or the hub for your expansion teams. And so what I am doing is I own a company called Elite Real Estate Systems, and if you want to check it out, it's EliteRealEstateSystems.com, and we're finding partners all across the country, and it's essentially a referral network. I'm not licensed anywhere outside of Nebraska, so it's going to be a referral network in which I provide all of the leads, I provide a website, I provide weekly coaching, consulting, and training, I provide all the back office support from contract to close. All of that's free. The only time I get compensated is when an agent sells a property. I get compensated on the agent's results, which is a little different than the traditional coaching model that we see today. You're just getting a referral fee. You're providing leads, coaching, a lot of the back office work for folks, even if they're in another state. Are you also providing a transaction management Absolutely. So the, the, the goal that I have in mind, Mike, and what I've found is I've had probably 100 agents come and visit me in Omaha. I offer a 12-hour workshop, which I'll offer to any of your audience as well. It's $3,000, and you can learn more about it at that link I just quoted. But essentially what I've learned is a lot of agents, depending on where they are in their business, they don't want to go through the pain of you know, hiring their first transaction coordinator, hiring um, an, an outsourced calling assistant or someone to post houses of Craigslist. There's so many pieces that we're going to get into today. And so essentially my offering is I'm trying to find the Jeff Cohn from seven years ago and say, hey, man, why don't you get to where I am right now? I'll give it to you and then let me keep a percentage of all your sales. What is that percentage? It depends on the market. It's, it's market specific, but just to kind of give you an average, and this is obviously negotiable, it's 50% of the net for any lead that I provide. So it's essentially a 50-50 split on any lead that we give you, and it's a 70-30 split off the net for any lead that the agent creates. So if they look at a P&L, and you say on your P&L, okay, 40%, or typically on a P&L, it's 80% is going to marketing and overhead and all these extra things. I'm going to take over all of that. I'm going to charge 30%. So your P&L, whoever's listening with that would consider doing this, you would literally keep 70% of your commission. And Elite Real Estate Systems would take on all of the other overhead expenses. You currently have a team of 37 
we haven't jumped into that yet, but I, I'll just go ahead and give a little preview here. You've got 25 full-time agents and five part-time agents, about 30 agents. Are all those agents in Omaha, or are you already expanding, and some of those are on expansion teams? So all of my agents right now are in Omaha, Nebraska. My goal, Mike, with our team in Omaha was to show that the system worked. Omaha is the proof of concept. And so my goal with the expansion teams is that they will one day look like my current team. And so I wanted to build a model that I believed would be able to essentially be inserted into any city in America, literally in any real estate office in America. And I believe we found that formula. I believe we found that here in Omaha. We are, you know, you you talk about my numbers and I, I look at some of the other guests you've interviewed. We're a very simple team. You know, we generate 30 leads a month per agent and we sell in an average price point. We're in an average size city. Um, every, a lot of things about us is very average, but where we go over and above is the leads, the conversion, our team structure. And I know you'll get into a lot of this today. We are way above average in a lot of categories that have made us who we are today. Jeff, just on this idea of the expansion team, you're basically making a franchise model. You've got the, the base franchise and the concept proven. You're now looking to expand into other markets. And my question is, have you expanded into another market yet? So yes is the answer to that. We expanded about three years ago into two markets that are both within 30 minutes of Omaha. And at the time, we didn't know how to do it. Um, you said the F word, which I never am going to use that word, franchise. <laughs> um, I'm not selling anything. And whoever cho- would choose to partner with us owns the team. It's, you know, essentially it's their team that they're building and we're plugging into them and providing them with the systems to help them to become successful. The two teams I expanded in, I did the F word. I thought someone could essentially buy my model and implement it. But what I found is no one's going to run the system as well as you and your staff and the people that you have with you. So my idea was instead of selling it to someone else and trying to get them up to speed, I would just run it for them from Omaha and the agent can do what they do best, which is prospecting, converting leads and um, building out their team. These two initial expansions, they were experiments. And it sounds like you've determined that they didn't work as well as you wanted because there was an ownership issue. Is that because you you said you sold the model to them and then what happened? You didn't have enough control over the model? What what happened? Why did it not work? In the two markets we expanded to, it worked in the sense of did I make money? And not very many things I've done I haven't have made a profit or a return a positive return on investment. In my opinion, they didn't work because the person I put into place can continued doing things the way they wanted to do them and because they were the owner of the franchise my hands were pretty much tied in the way that they chose to run their business. And so I got to a point, it's just like a team lead. Why you, you know, as a team leader, you want agents on your team that plug into your systems. It's the same exact thing. I want expansion teams where the team lead of the expansion teams plugs into my systems and I literally run those systems for them so they can just focus on selling houses. Okay. We have five markets, Mike, um, in the Midwest that we've identified as great proof of concept. Obviously my team's proof of concept number one. Over the next six months, we have two people ready to launch now, and we have uh, four more that are slated over the next two to three months. But my goal for this is to be literally in every real estate office in the country in 10 years. And currently, it's in its infancy. You're doing your experimentation. You're trying different ideas in different markets. It's kind of like a ground floor opportunity. Absolutely is. 
Yeah, but there's lots of room for expansion. So if it's something one of your listeners is interested in, reach out. This isn't supposed to be a sales pitch in any way, but it is something new. And I think a lot of people are going to hear more about this. I know uh, in Gary Keller's new book, Millionaire Real Estate Agent Version 2, he's going to talk a lot about expansion. I think boutique real estate companies that have 20 to 30 agents that have a very unique offering, unique selling proposition, and boutique real estate teams are going to be the future. So I don't think the future is these large brands with 500 agents. I think the future is small, unique teams that have a unique offering. And if you are you know, a, a large team right now, I think you really should consider expanding into some other markets. I think it's a great opportunity to diversify and create leverage and create a residual income stream outside of your market. Well, Jeff, thank you very much for sharing with us. Let's do this. Let's switch gears for a minute, and we've kind of been hinting at it, but tell us tell us specifically, where are you? Where are you? You're in Omaha, Nebraska. Tell us something about Omaha. Sure. So Nebraska, and you know, it's so funny because people always, when I was in um, Brazil, I told people I, I was from Nebraska, and they always would say, okay, so you're from Alaska? And I could see <laughs> how they'd get them mixed up. I'd never really noticed that before. But okay, so Nebraska is north of Kansas, south of South Dakota west of Iowa and east of Colorado, in the heart of America. How big is Omaha? So they say Omaha and, and the metro area, essentially the million people. Um, as you know, we pride ourselves to have Mr. Warren Buffett from here. Berkshire Hathaway was born here. Uh, one of the key reasons I'm with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Um, Omaha has a lot of things that you know a lot of people don't know about. The zoo's great here, and I don't know what all you want to hear me talk about, but um, they have one of those top-renowned zoos. The College World Series is hosted here. And, of course, we're the home of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. So you always got to mention that. Are you working the entire metro market, or do you narrow in on one niche area? Yeah, we, we focus on anything that's within about 30 minutes of Omaha. So there's not one niche area per se. When I do talk about boutique companies or niches, we do try to focus on traditional real estate transactions. And so um, we don't work with short sales directly. We always refer them to someone. We try to stay away from HUD homes. We try to stay away from anything under $80,000. You know, we kind of have our unique price point and what kind of transaction we want to work. Breaking down the market, what's going on there in Omaha? Average price point right now is going to be about 185000 right where my, you know, our team's average price point is. Um, we've seen this year it's, it has spiked. Um, it's higher than it normally is. Usually it's around 175 to 180. Certain months this year have gotten over 200,000, but I would say overall the average in Omaha is going to be about 190,000. Um, lots of first-time buyers, which in our market, a first-time buyer is purchasing a home between 100, you know, 125 to 200 thousand dollars. There's a lot of we have a company here locally called Celebrity Homes, which is essentially fabricated homes where they build them off-site and then put them together. And they build like 500 houses a year. Their price point is going to be about 150 to 250 thousand. And how quickly are things selling? Your average days on the market? You know, we're about 30 to 45 days. We're still in a neutral market. We haven't really seen a seller's market yet. Uh, we're really close to it. We have about three and a half months worth of inventory sitting right now at about 3,500 active homes on the market. Do you have a niche or a specialization? You you said you work the entire market basically as long as it's residential and it's not distressed? So one of the things that I've done uh, with our team, Mike, that I feel like has differentiated us is my focus is to provide value in any any and all areas I can for our clients. So we have been very um, 
very open as to what types of agents we hire on our team in that we have agents that can serve rental property. Uh, we actually have a rental property management company, which is Omaha Elite Property Management. We have agents that speak Spanish. We have agents that work in, you know, with investors primarily. We have agents that can, you know, pretty much do anything, anything surrounding real estate in general. We have commercial agents. But the thing I constantly get back to the agents with is specialize in one thing and just focus on that. You know, I feel like there's a lot of agents out there that just try to say yes to everything. And if you're not really, really good at the thing you're trying to do, I would say refer to somebody else and do what you're really, really good at or become really, really good at one thing. You don't need to be average or mediocre in all the things because if you are, people aren't going to use you again. People aren't going to refer you. So if you want to work 500,000 plus price point, then work 500,000 plus price point and refer everything else to someone else. Well, Jeff, I got a little bit of statistics from you before we started. And if I were to summarize what I saw there, it looks like you've picked out a couple of key areas in your business for lead generation. And that would be internet leads and then past clients and sphere of influence. Internet leads are about 40% of your business. Past clients and sphere of influence combined are about half. And I'd like to, to dive into that and, and talk about those two different lead sources. First, let's talk about internet leads. You call it PPC or pay-per-click. So the pay-per-click situation, let, let's dive into that. Where exactly are you advertising and generating your leads from? Sure. Great question. Um, I would like to give a little bit of a precursor to that uh, just so that we can kind of understand where our team's focus is. So PPC ends up being about half of my team's leads, the half of the leads that our team receives. However, uh, one of the ways that I feel like we differentiate ourselves from a lot of teams locally and nationally is we focus on lead generation in three main areas. One is internet lead generation, which includes social media, which we'll dive into right now. Number two is your sphere of influence. And that's that group I talked to like the newer agents about, which is anyone that knows you, you know, anyone that would know you by name, anybody that you would want to add to your database, any of your past clients. And then the third bucket is your prospecting bucket. And that is when you're making a prospecting call and or you're sitting in an open house, that's going to be your prospecting bucket. Well, one of the things that I feel like has made us unique is that we really focus on training our agents to dive into each of those buckets and spend a third of their time working our leads, the leads you know, from the internet, a third of their time working their sphere and a third of their time prospecting. What I've seen on a national level, Mike, and you can confirm or deny that this is the case, but I find that a lot of coaches and trainers out there help agents focus on one of those three buckets. But I have not found anyone that's helped agents focus on all three. And the reason I feel like a lot of teams lean towards one of the buckets versus all three is because the agent owner or team lead maybe is compensated a little bit more based on one of those three buckets. Um, on our team, and it's not self-serving, I'm compensated more if an agent closes one of the leads I give to them through internet lead generation. However, I know that a healthy and sustainable business consists of all three sources. So we really focus on helping our agents focus a third of their time into each of those buckets. Well, let's dive into that first bucket, the internet leads and the, the pay-per-click. I also mentioned social. Tell us, tell us how are you generating leads off the internet? Okay. So, you know, from day one, um, I knew that I wanted to build a large team. And I feel like if you're out there right now and you can't recruit and you don't know why no one wants to be around you and, you know, you've tried adding agents, but they never stay, it's probably because you're not giving them two things, one leads and two value. 
And so any agent that you want to have stay with you, you need to provide them something. So I started generating leads, not for myself, because I was at a place in my business where I had enough business coming to me that I was literally referring off buyers even before I started generating internet leads. I started paying for internet leads because I needed to feed additional buyers agents that I was recruiting to my team. And the number I found in all the travels and all the research I've done is about, you need to have about 30 internet leads per agent per month. And you can expect to see an average two, like one and a half to 2% conversion ratio on those leads. So if you're giving someone 30 leads from internet leads, they can expect to sell about a house a month. And so agents on my team, I want them selling three houses a month, one from the internet, one from their sphere, and one from their prospecting efforts. That's essentially how we're set up. And in Omaha, if they can realize that, they're going to sell 36 houses a year, net $100,000 a year, and it's going to drive around thirty-five dollars to $40,000 to my bottom line per agent. So sorry, I'm not meaning to dodge your question. So going into internet lead generation, um, I went out in 2011, I partnered with several lenders and had them sign marketing service agreements. And from day one, I had a $2,000 budget to generate internet leads to my team. And we started off by putting money to, into Bing advertising, which essentially are, is the MSN's uh, attempt to do Google AdWords. So we did Bing AdWords, Yahoo AdWords, and Google AdWords with a $2,000 spend. And what we were finding is, and these are AdWords, like, and, and most of your listeners probably know this, but if you go to a Google search, Buy House Denver, Colorado, there's little ads on the side and on the top of the screen that pop up. And if you click on them, they cost a dollar or $10, depending on your market. Well, what we found in our market, they cost $2 when you click on that ad, and it takes 10 clicks in our market to get one person to sign up on our website. And so I'm spending $20 to get somebody to sign up. It takes 33 people to sign up for me to get one closed deal. So I'm spending on average $330 to make an average commission of $5,000. Pretty good ROI. Wow. Wow. You, you flew through that pretty quick. So I got to back you up just because I, I couldn't write fast enough. Did you say it took you 30 people for one closing, 30 leads at $20 each? Yep. So at a 3% close ratio, it's going to take about 33 people that sign up to be able to get one deal under contract. And so depending on the cost of the click, it, t- it typically clicks are $2. So it would take us about, you know, $20 to get one person to sign up. So that, in that, in that analysis, it's $660 to make 5,000. Um, it just depends on the, the month and it depends on the price point of obviously the lead that you're closing. But one of the things we've done, and I'd recommend anyone listening to do this, we created an ROI tracker similar to one. I know Lars Hedenberg, a great real estate coach in the, in the space, talks about, but you should track your top 10 lead sources and you should track how much money you spend on that lead source, how many leads come from that lead source, all the deals that execute from the lead source and the average price point within the buy side of that lead source and the sell side of the lead source, the average commission earned from the buy side of that lead source and the sell side of that lead source. So at year end, you can look at where your marketing spend is going. Essentially, I call them horses. So you, you can look at your top 10 horses and you should always be introducing three horses and getting rid of three horses. And we do this because we don't want all of our eggs in one internet lead gen basket. We always want to be exploring what other new lead gen systems are out there that might help us to be successful and convert at a higher ratio. The key to that is the tracking. How are you tracking the source of the business? You're going to like this one. Well, first off, we use Boomtown on the back end. So... For those that aren't aware of, you know, of Boomtown, most people probably know what that is. It's similar to you have Conversions and Commissions Inc. and Tiger Leads was big in the past. Boomtown, to me, is the best system out there right now to both provide with the front-end website and lead gen 
solution, and then a back office CRM, which is a client relationship management system. So anytime an agent on my team adds a lead or a lead is given to them, they always have to categorize where the lead came from. And so there's a drop down of all these different lead sources. When a lead comes in naturally, organically, or via pay-per-click PPC, the system marks the lead or tags the lead on its own. But if an agent like gets a lead off an open house or a family member or whatever, then the agent tags the lead. Well, every time a person on our team executes a contract, I have an operations manager that puts that deal into an Excel spreadsheet. And so that Excel spreadsheet has the ROI component built into it. And so essentially at the end of the year, every single lead we have, we know what title company they use, what inspection company they use, what home warranty company they use, obviously the price point. We even are tracking, Mike, how many showings on average we went on per buyer and how many showings on average per listing received before it got an executed contract. So year in and even monthly and quarterly, when we're in our trainings, we can tell our buyer's agents, hey, right now, the average buyer in our market needs to see six houses to go under contract. So when you go out the first time with a buyer, you need to show them at least six houses. Don't go show them two houses because we know on average it takes them six houses or eight houses. And we know right now on our listings, it takes 10 showings on average in the Omaha market today before an offer is accepted. I assume that you use that information with the client in their intro interview when you're talking to them initially, that buyer, you tell them, hey, average person's taken six homes to see, so they don't think they need to see 60. And uh, also with the seller, you're letting them know it's typically taken 10 showings, so they don't think it's going to happen on the first showing. Yep. And we're not just saying it because we're guessing. We have the analytics right in front of them to show them. And we can even do market segments. We can show them in certain areas. Homes are selling faster or slower. At certain price points, it might take longer. It's, it's incredible. Data is great if you know how to use it. If you're tracking something that's not helping you make decisions or helping you convince a buyer or a seller to do something a certain way, then it's pointless to track it. Um, the reason we track the lender vendors of who our clients choose to use is because we have marketing service agreements with the majority of our lenders and vendors, and we want to just make sure that they're getting value out of the relationship. So we're able to track how many you know, times our agents are using them. Let's clarify on that real fast for anyone who's thinking about doing a, a marketing service agreement. Your agreement with these vendors is for a flat amount. It has no relationship to the number of transactions that go through the system, correct? That's correct. You know, I just sat through a one-hour uh, webinar with the lead attorney for RESPA that was covering marketing service agreements. And if you Google it, it's a great source to learn more about MSAs. Just Google um, MSA Hangout or something. It's a pretty simple Google search. I found it the other day real quick for a friend of mine. But yes, you are literally, when someone gives you money, um, first off, they're never writing the check to you. They're writing a check to the source that's going to generate the leads for you. And the other thing is it's not a, if I give you one, you give me 500 relationship. You're literally a walking billboard. And what I tell people is look at a billboard. If you decided to invest on a billboard and Mike puts his big mug on a billboard and says, buy with the Mike team, there's no promise that you're going to get any leads off of that relationship. The only promise is that they're going to put a big sticker on a billboard that's sitting next to the interstate. That's all you got to promise of. So in your MSAs, I tell other agents across the country, there's no promise that those that you're going to give those companies anything except for maybe you're going to put brochures out in your office and you're going to put their business card in your purchase agreement file. And that's it. Or maybe you're going to put their name on your website. But there's no you know, relationship where if I give you X, you're going to give me Y. You're going to give them a few more billboards. 
That's it. They're just billboards. And you can't also, if they have a ton of success off the relationship, you can't legally go to them and say, hey, my billboard now costs more money because I see how much business you're getting. So think wisely when you enter into these MSAs that you're charging the right amount. Well, Jeff, let's go back for a minute. You were talking about this tracking, and it hit me that you must have established a culture inside of your team that desires that information, that utilizes that data, and values this tracking. In order, you said these agents have to enter that information right at the beginning if it's not coming off of the internet. So they must have a drive or a need to do that. How did you establish that culture? This is very simple, Mike. Um, money kind of speaks <laughs> loudly to agents. And what we did was we let the agents know that if they didn't register their lead and someone else from the team happened upon the same lead, the lead would go to whoever had registered them first. If two different agents are working in open house the same day in the same neighborhood and lead A comes through house number one and lead A goes to house number two, whichever agent puts that lead into the system first gets the lead. They play nice, so you know you would think agents might fight a lot in this scenario. All the time, we have leads popping up, or people coming through opens that were already registered on one of the other agents' accounts. And our team has a policy that you have to call the agent, let them know that you know one of their clients came through your open. And I would say 98% of the time, the agent whose lead was already registered with them, the other agent now is calling them about, they just release it to the other agent because at the end of the day, we want to serve the client. And the agents on my team have thousands of leads, so they're not going to worry about 1v2s. You've got this large team, and I assume the issue has come up where Agent A has registered a lead, but for whatever reason, Agent A goes out of town on vacation, or for whatever reason, Agent B ends up working with, let's say, a buyer and puts that buyer under contract. Will they split the compensation, or does it all go to B who put them under contract? So the rule on the team is whoever had them registered gets to keep 100% of the commission. So if Agent B hasn't reached out to Agent A to say, hey, I just realized I went to put this lead I got off an open house into my, into my database and saw they had registered with you three months ago, and I see that you're in Miami right now on vacation, are you cool if I work it? It's going to be a relationship between the agents as to how that plays out. Um, it's funny, a couple of years ago, we were doing a campaign on my team for one month, anyone on the team that sold one of our team's listings, I gave, gave them an iPad. And there was a situation where this exact scenario played out where Agent B never got permission from Agent A to work Agent A's registered lead and put them under contract. The deal closed. Agent A let Agent B keep the commission, 100% of it, but kept the iPad. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. So it, honestly, you own the lead if it's in your system, but you play nice. And in most instances, um, agents have, have done a great job. A lot of times it's like Agent A had put in, you know, had gone and shown them houses one time or had called them a hundred times. They might ask for like $500 or something like that. But it's not typically a split 50-50. It's usually like kick them 500 bucks or $1,000 or something like that. Sure. And that works out because you've established the rules of the game. Yep. Oh, yeah, there's a huge expectation. So a lot of teams nationally, Mike, and you'll probably agree with this, they have someone that's, a, that's their scrubber or ISA, internal sales agent, that takes all the leads and categorizes the leads and sifts through them and highlights a lead and hands them out to, to their agents. Our team's really unique in that we have chosen to do um, a, not a round-robin system where you assign a lead every day, but a round-robin system in that each agent has a day every month that they can expect to take all the leads from our team in a 24-hour period. So 
all the leads that come in to the funnel between 8 p.m. yesterday and 8 p.m. tonight would go to um, John Doe agent. And John Doe agent on that day has to physically be at the office from 10 o'clock in the morning till 8 p.m. at night. So on their day, their duty day or desk time or whatever you call it, they have to physically be in the office. But they know they're going to get 30 leads today because that's our average. We've had days where we get 50 leads. They know they're going to get leads, so they want to physically be here. And they're not only working the leads coming in, this is also their prospecting day. So once a month, they know they're going to be in the office a whole day. You know, essentially it's about 10 hours uh, prospecting leads that are coming in and then following up with all the leads that came in the month previous. And so our 30 agent team is on a 30 day rotation where they know they're going to get 30 leads, but we have a whole, a whole list of things they're supposed to do with those leads today in a month from now in two months from now and 12 months from now. Can I walk you through that real quick? That'd be great. Okay. So if you're working the duty time today, which we call it Boomtown day, if you're working the lead system today, this is your day. When a lead comes in, you have to call that lead within the first five minutes. And we can track with Boomtown how soon they made that first call. Because right when that call starts, they go and click on it and, re- and click on bo- the Boomtown system. There's a place to say logged call. And I can see that they've reached out within the first five minutes. And I'll walk you through all this, and then I'll talk to you how we, about how we hold them accountable to this. So they, they have to call the lead in the first five minutes. If the lead doesn't answer, they need to call two more times that first day. If the lead doesn't answer, they'll have called three times in the first day. After the third call, if the lead didn't answer, on the third call, they're going to leave a voicemail, and they're going to send them a text message. And in the voicemail and text message, they're going to let that lead know that they're going to send them an email. Well, what has happened is with our system in Boomtown, it has automatically, it is going to automatically send them an email within 24 hours of them registering on our website thanking them for searching homes on our site, but it's also going to acknowledge where the lead came from. So if they were on Craigslist or uh, MSN or Yahoo or Facebook, it's going to say, hey, thanks so much for doing a search on. It's going to reference the site they were on originally, and it's going to say, we, were, we saw that you ended up landing on Omaha's Lead Real Estate Group's website. We'd love the opportunity to work with you. And then it's going to sign off, and it's going to, be, it's going to have the agent's signature on it. Well, now day two, agents on day two through day 14, the next 13 days, our agent has to call that lead seven more times. If they don't answer, they'll have to call them seven more times. And now on the 10th call or the seventh call within that 13 days, they have to leave another voicemail and send another text message. And in that phase, that 14-day period, we call that our qualify period, they will have received a total of 10 call attempts, two voicemails, two text messages. In addition, there will be a drip email, like I mentioned already, that has started. They'll get seven emails in that first 14 days, the lead will, from the agent. But it's emails we've created that look very, very um, unique. It looks like the agent is sending the email. Keep your drip emails less than three sentences. Never sign a signature. Always sign just your, the agent's first name. Never use the lead's last name. Just put their first name. Um, don't use a comma every time. So one time use a comma, one time use a hyphen, one time do nothing. So there's not consistency in the email so that they look unique and sign off every third email, every third drip email with sent from my iPhone or sent from my Samsung. Make sure it's the same device every time, but have it say sent from my whatever, because that's the default signature. So it looks like you're sending an email out from your phone. Now that is just our first two, two weeks of how we are trying to convert a new internet lead. Now, if we get a hold of that lead within those first two weeks, within those drip emails and um, call attempts and voicemails and text messages. And the last one I forgot was the system starts an automatic email as well 
every time someone registers on our website and they've done an internet search, the system uh, memorizes the search that they did. So if they're looking at $200,000 houses in West Omaha, it's going to start sending them $200,000 houses in West Omaha every time they hit the market automatically. The agents don't have to go onto the MLS and set them up on a search or log them in and set them up. The system does this all automatically based on that user's original search. That's what Boomtown does. So outside of all of this, now obviously technology is working for us. The agent literally could do nothing, and they're getting email, the, you know, the systems emailing on behalf of our agent and the systems sending them updates on behalf of our agent. But if the agent does get a hold of them, they're going to make a determination on that first call um, of which category the lead needs to go into. So we have hot, which is someone ready to go buy or sell a house now. We have nurture, which is someone that's indicated to the agent they're going to be buying or selling in three to six months. We have watch, which someone indicates they're going to buy or sell in six months and on. And then we have archive, which is someone that we don't ever believe we could make money off of because they're going to buy or sell a house. But we do believe we could make money off of a referral relationship. And then we have trash, which is someone we could never make any money off of ever. And that's going to be like a, you know, your 15-year-old kid that lives in Louisville, Kentucky, and for some reason they were on our website and they were looking for pictures of fluffy cats. And we're like, okay, we're never making money off that relationship, so trash them. And so as far as expectations are concerned, within HOT, you can't be in HOT unless you always have an appointment set. Um, if you're in Nurture, which is the three- to six-month category, you need to, the agent needs to call them every 15 days. If you're in Watch, the agent needs to call them every 30 days. If you're an archive, we would prefer they be called every three months. In addition to the calling that the agents are doing within each of those categories, the system is also sending drip emails that we've created that are now going out in nurture and watch. They're going out every two weeks. In archive, they're going out every month. And I have 50,000 people today, Mike, in my database that have all been set up like this. 50,000 leads in your database so far? Those are all Omaha leads? Yes, sir. <laughs> Pretty soon you'll have the whole city. That's the goal. A million people. <laughs> I want every person in Omaha to be in my database. Absolutely, that's my goal. So when you think about prospecting, and I know this comes later and what questions to ask, you always want to get an email address. Do you want to buy a house? No. Do you know someone to buy a house? No. Um, can I meet with you to talk about no? You know, everything you can say, say, say no, 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 no. At the very end, you say, well, I'm assuming you guys own a house today. Is that correct? And most people will be like, yeah, we own a house. You know, and then I will, and sorry to get into a dialogue here, but I train my agents to always then say, well, you know what, you lucked out today because we just uh, invested in a new software tool that will essentially email you anytime someone in your neighborhood lists a property. And I was wondering if you'd be interested to be added to this email chain. I'll, you know, I'm not going to bug you outside of that, but every time someone lists a house in your neighborhood, it'll kind of help you keep tabs on your investment and let you know what houses are going for. Would you be all right if I added you to that list? And everyone says yes to that. If you say it that way and keep it simple, everyone's like, yeah, sure, add me. Well, we're going to add them, and then at the end, we're going to say, you know what, would it be all right if I called you every couple months, just followed up with you and see if you have any questions? Everyone says yes. So that lead's going to go into archive. They're going to start getting an email every time a house hits the market in their neighborhood. So obviously, if they go to list, they're probably going to call me. But in addition to that, I'm going to call them every quarter. And I'm going to hope they don't answer when I call. And I'm just going to say, hey, it's Jeff Cohn. I set you up on that email. Hopefully, you're finding those to be valuable, which, by the way, on the back end of Boomtown, I can see if they're looking at those emails that are going out. So if they are going out, I could choose just to call the people that are looking at the emails. And I'm just going to say, you know what? I just wanted you to know I'm out here. If you ever want to know what your house is worth, let me know. So those are the types of calls when people are like, how are you guys making three hours of prospecting every day? You know, how are you guys doing? As a team, last year, we made 60,000 prospecting calls. Those are the types of calls we're having, providing extreme value to people. 
going way back to how you do your round robin system for the duty calls, it reminded me of when you said that you started in the business. That's what you did. You sat on your duty day at the desk. You actually walked around the office, but any calls that came in, you jumped on. And it sounds like you've mimicked that approach for your team. Absolutely. You are right. We went down a deep rabbit hole there, which, by the way, was awesome. I want to step back out, though, and get back to, we were talking about internet leads. You said you're handing out 30 a month per agent. Tell us a little bit more about the actual ad that's generating these leads. What does it look like? Are you going after buyers or sellers? How are you bringing those leads in? You know what? And I'll invite anyone who wants to see the ad to go look at it. I would just ask that you don't click on it. So if you just do do a search right now of buy house Omaha, buy house Omaha, and 90% of the time, our spend right now is $5,500 a month for Google AdWords. So sorry, do the search on Google, buy house Omaha, you can do it from your cell phone or from your desktop, and you'll see a little ad that pops up that says Omaha's elite real estate group, and it'll say search entire MLS or search full MLS or full MLS access, and there is a little link there, and you click on it. So depending on what someone puts in their search, Mike, it's going to give them a unique results page. So if someone searches by golf course house, Omaha, or by golf course house, Elkhorn, Nebraska, which is another town outside of Omaha, the Boomtown system is going to now respond by giving them a unique page that is just about the thing that they search with listings that are currently on the market that are in the area that they searched that are responding to the thing that they're looking for which I think is really cool. So now the person's not landing on just some generic landing page asking for info. We're giving them what they're searching, essentially, in the results page. And we've taken it a step further. We've spent a lot of money. We're in like the 30000 40000 range right now on creating really, really unique landing pages in that we have subdivision landing pages. So if someone searches ABC subdivision, we have a video of ABC subdivision. We had a professional writer write an article about ABC subdivision. And so someone will land on our site on that unique subdivisions page. It'll show an article about the area, a video of the area that we created with the GoPro, and then it'll have all the active houses in that area. We use that to create uh, organic juice. Um, this, is all, this is all SEO, a search engine optimization, which is the future. So if you're thinking about using pay-per-click, I think pay-per-click's great temporarily, and it's, why, it's how we were able to get to where we are today. But the future... The, the game is going to be won by the people that can get their strongest hold right now on the Google placement. I can't stress that enough, so I'll say it twice. PPC is great. It's, re- it's renting a house. But the game is going to be won over the next 10 to 15 years on the teams that can get themselves on the first page of Google through search engine optimization. So you might have your generic website that was built in a garage. Those typically don't play nearly as well on Google because Google has an algorithm they use to determine how they want to place your website. So I would strongly urge you to invest in Boomtown. Boomtown has the best people in the country building websites so that you are placed at the top of a Google search so that you're not paying for the leads. You're getting the leads for free. And if you create that site now, in four or five or six years from now, you can get 1,000 leads a month without spending a dime other than the money that your lender is paying Boomtown for your website. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. 
Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. You've got basically two different ways that you're generating those internet leads. You're paying for them, the the pay-per-click. You're also then getting these organic leads that are coming in off your SEO. What percentage of your internet leads are coming in off of SEO? Great question. I have my, so in Boomtown, you have what's called a traffic dashboard, which is going to show me um, how many leads are coming in from all the different lead sources. It also shows you the total number of visits to the site and then how many people did a search, how many people became a lead, and then it shows the click to close ratio on someone searches, someone clicks, and then they become a lead. So I have my whole year total up right now. You want to know percentage wise. So let me go and grab um, just this month. And I'll tell you. So Google Ads this month, I've had 2,000 searches. I closed at a 12% ratio, which generated 264 leads just off of Google AdWords. Bing has brought me five leads, not huge. Facebook ads, buyer Facebook ads, I've gotten 84 leads at a 9% conversion. And if anyone listening wants to see my traffic dashboard, I'm happy to share it with you. Even if you're in Omaha, Nebraska, I'll send it to you. I can send you my whole year's numbers or just this month's numbers, whatever you're most interested in. So you asked about organic. I have 46 organic leads out of 664 leads to date. So uh, 7% were organic. Much, much lower than I want them to be, Mike. I I would love to see 100% organic and zero pay-per-click. But the thing that's interesting is I, I hired a consultant a couple years back. I had another business that we did a lot of online marketing. Go online right now and search any main brand. Search Gap, search Nike, search Coca-Cola. They're the name in the space. They pay for pay-per-click. And the reason they pay for pay-per-click and the reason why we as agents should always pay for it is because the user sees the ad and then sees the organic. You want them to see you twice. Typically, if you see something twice, you think that's better than everything else. It's there two times. It must be exactly what I want. It's there two times. And half the time they might click on the, ad, the paid one and then half the time they might click on the organic. I don't really care. I'm not even paying for the PPC. So I really don't care. And my ROI is ridiculous. I mean, if you're at a, a positive ROI, you're good. Don't worry about it. In real estate, because the commissions are so big and the cost to click is so little, I think it's a no-brainer to be in the PPC game. PPC gets a bad rap, as does organic. And the reason it gets a bad rap is because people don't know how to work the leads. They, most agents aren't converting at 3%. If you ask most teams, they're converting at like half of 1% because they don't know the, the conversion process. And I touched on the conversion process a little bit with you, Mike. I'd love to take the listeners through uh, my CLAPS acronym. And I don't know if, that's in, if I'm jumping ahead here, but I'd love to talk about it a little bit because I think that the um, coaching piece and accountability piece on our team really has helped us with the conversion process for not only leads we generate to our team, but also the other leads that they're adding into this Boomtown system. That sounds great, Jeff. Let's do it. Okay, awesome. So essentially, you know, I kind of outlined this acronym that I thought would help other people build super highly successful teams. And, you know, with all this research that I've done, I've really narrowed it down to five key things, which is culture, leads, accountability, processes, and strategies. And so in our call so far today, we've spent a lot of time talking about leads and a little bit of time talking about lead conversion, but skipping ahead to the A, and we can go back to culture here in a little bit, but going into accountability, we've set up from day one a structure with our team to make sure that all these things I'm talking about that I know a lot of people listening are like, well, yeah, that sounds great, but how many real estate agents are really doing this? Everyone on my team is doing it. And why they're doing it is you can't be on my team if you're not doing it. 
So when I invite someone to join my team, which by the way, I only hire one out of every 10 uh, candidates on my team. If you're selected to be on our elite team, then there's a, a whole list of things that you have to do. And so getting into the accountability, you have to attend our Monday meeting every Monday from nine, uh, nine 30 to 10 30 in the morning. And in that accountability meeting, all of our agents and admin have to report to the meeting and all of the agents have to report on six key pieces to their business, which I believe drive success. And those are number one, call attempts. How many call attempts did that agent make? The agent physically stands up and reports their number to a group of their peers. How many calls they've made, how many contacts they made out of those calls, how many appointments were realized because of the contacts made that week, how many appointments they went on, how many contracts they executed that week, how many contracts are what we call floating, meaning you're in the middle of a negotiation, but it hasn't come together, and then how many new listings you signed. And those are the six areas we focus. Everything else to me is fluffy cats. Everything else to me is a story. It's an excuse. How many calls did you make? How many contacts did you have? How many appointments did you go on? How many executed? How many floaters? How many listings did you take? We then put that into what we call our agent accountability matrix, which is an Excel spreadsheet. And we track those numbers on a daily, monthly, quarterly, and yearly basis for each agent individually. And then um, for our team as a whole. And what we found in 2014, analytically, is that our team made 60,000 prospecting calls. This doesn't include my calling assistants that made another 60,000 calls. Just out of the agent pool, we made 60,000 prospecting calls. And we found that it took 125 prospecting calls to close one transaction. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I know I can hand dial 30 people an hour. So I need, essentially what I've taught my team is that, man, you can spend four hours hand dialing or one hour on like a Mojo dialer or a Vulcan 7 dialer. And in one hour or four, independent of each of those amounts of time, the ROI is insane, right? If as an agent you're making a $5,000 commission, if you spent four hours prospecting, you can make $5,000. That's over $1,000 an hour. And so we've put a huge stress on working smarter, not harder, and making the calls in the right areas. And then on Monday, after they've reported their numbers, they've added them to the agent accountability matrix, they sit down every Monday with a success coach who happens to be one of my top performing agents who I pay a salary to in addition to him selling. And they spend 20 minutes going into the system, looking at the numbers, talking about their first call. You know, I said you had to call in the first five minutes. They're going to pull that up and make sure they're calling in the first five minutes. We're then going to hold them accountable to following that process that we talked about with how many calls within each category, with each lead. And we're not only going to hold them accountable to their success with the leads we're giving them, we're going to hold them accountable to their success with the leads they're giving themselves. So our coach and consultant who I've hired, our success coach is going to spend time helping them be the best that they can be in their business, not only with the leads I'm giving to them, but with the leads that they've created on their own. And I have not seen that ever in the real estate industry. I've never seen a team that does that. And it blows my mind because if you ask my agents, what they're going to say to you is they cannot fail on my team. To be part of my team means you're going to make a hundred grand a year. That's why I named it Omaha's Elite Real Estate Group. There's no other team I've seen like it. So with our expansion teams, we're going to do the exact same thing. Generate the leads, have an accountability meeting every week, coach them how to be more successful in all these three buckets, and then provide them with a transaction coordinator that's going to do all the paperwork for them so they can just focus on the $1,000 an hour activities and not the $8 an hour activities. Back on internet leads, you gave us an example of a buyer ad. Do you also advertise for seller leads? Um, we have in the past, Mike, and we have not seen as great of an ROI from seller leads, and there's several reasons why. 
One is a lot of times when you do seller advertising, you're telling them that they can click on your link and find out what their house is worth. And we've found a lot of people want to know what their house is worth. But a lot of people that want to know what their house is worth aren't ready to sell their house today. So it's a great way to put people in your pipeline. I would rather put people in the pipeline that are searching to buy a house because if you're searching to buy a house, you're probably ready to buy a house in the next six months. And I'm not just guessing that. Out of all the leads we generated in 2014 that went under contract, we tracked the date they had registered to the date they went under contract. And on average, out of our 425 sales last year, which I guess we should only talk about the 200 that were internet-based, we sold half of our deals were internet lead gen. So out of those 200, uh, on average, it took them six months from the date they registered on the site to the date they went under contract. With seller leads, we feel like it's beyond 12 months, and even maybe beyond 18 months. So it's not a bad thing. We would just rather see a quicker return. And we have found that about 25% of buyer leads have houses to sell anyways. And so it's a way we generate listing leads as well as just by generating buyer leads. Somebody listening who wants to get an internet lead program going, any final advice you could give them? Well, I think I said Boomtown like 20 times. <laughs> Let's move on to your other large source of business, and that is the, the sphere of influence, your past clients. How big is your database of sphere of influence and past clients? You mentioned your entire database is 50,000. How much of that is sphere of influence or past clients? I'll admit I did not do a good job at segmenting that database to say this is sphere or this is a past client. So I treat that entire database like it's my sphere from an ownership standpoint. As far as my follow-up with that group of 50,000, those are leads I've never talked to before, but those also consist of my personal sphere of influence. That list also consists of all of our past clients. Well, I treat all of them from an electronic standpoint as if they are uh, my sphere of influence. So I signed up with Viral Marketing. A lot of you have probably heard of them before. If you aren't using them, you, you need to use them. It's like $550 a month. And we create two videos every month. One of them is a market update video talking about the Omaha market. And then the another one is about our vendors typically. So we'll do a video about, you know, our carpet cleaning guy and he'll get to go and talk to our audience. And then we send that, they, we create the video just with like our webcam and then viral marketing will write up a whole article about the video, make it really professional. They create a blog for us. They also post it on all of our other social media and they email it out. And then the thing of value is three days later, they send us a report and we can see who clicked on it. I then use a calling assistant that I have to follow up with every person that clicks. And we're averaging 500 to 1,000 clicks every video that goes out. You've mentioned the call assistant a few times. What is the call assistant position? What is that? Sure. So a lot of people have heard about internal sales agents. Um, I've had internal sales agent teams. Those are people on the ground in your office that are literally telemarketers, but we don't use that term. We just call them personal assistants. Well, what I found is the people that I had on the ground always wanted to become real estate agents because they could see all the success that you know you could have by prospecting. So I would train someone and show them how to make expired calls. They'd see my team making $100,000 a year. They're only making twenty-four grand a year, and they'd get their license and quit being a calling assistant. And so we had so much turnover that I decided to take it abroad. So I used um, 1,000callsaday.com, which is a company I actually do consulting for, and they place a done-for-you teleprospectors or assistants on your team. And they, have, they already right now have like 20 or 25 teams that they serve nationwide. Um, with a full-time calling assistant. So what it is, is Monday through Friday, I have a person who is named Alvin, 
who reports to me, sends me an email at 10 o'clock in the morning, says, hey, hey, boss, I'm going to be working today on. And then he, I have him working all the leads that are coming in for John Doe agent that day. He's not only helping, he's not calling any of the new leads that come in today for John Doe that's working, we called it our duty time or boomtown. He's calling all of John Doe's sphere and all of John Doe's old leads. So I talked to you about all these expectations where you're supposed to call two times in the first three to six months, ever, you know, um, two times a month for anyone that said they're going to buy or sell in the first three to six months and one time a month for anyone that indicates they're going to buy or sell in six months or on. Well, the agent obviously isn't always getting that done because the agents are busy. So we hired this done for you calling assistant full time to help the agents keep up with our expectations. And so I have assigned a calling assistant every day to whoever's working the duty time that day, because if the calling assistant gets a hold of somebody, now that agent I know is physically sitting in my office ready to call the lead. And we've averaged a thousand calls a day. He makes a thousand calls a day, gets a hold of a hundred people a day, and ten of the people he talks to says, Yes, please have the agent call me back today. We call those highlighted leads because they're already leads that we've created. Now that's half of what a calling assistant does. The other half of what a calling assistant can do for you through thousandcallsaday.com is make prospecting calls for you. So and that's a bucket we haven't gotten into, and I know we're coming up on it, but your calling assistant can do the calls that you don't want to do, which could possibly be circle prospecting, just listed, just sold, expired, and physical calls. Where is this calling assistant? You said they're abroad. Where, where in the world are they? To find a majority of our callers, we're using MyOutDesk which is a company owned by Daniel Ramsey, a good friend of mine. And a majority of his calling assistants are located in the Philippines. So you haven't had any issues with broken English or difficult English? Uh, hard well, to understand. Had, I have. I've had a lot of issues. <laughs> you know, I'm going to try to be real on this hangout. No, I've had a sure. lot of issues. So I had about six or seven people locally figure out there's too much turnover. So I started going to my, I went to my out desk and I would say my first five or six calling assistants weren't a good fit for the Omaha market. Uh, one of the challenges we have is, as you hear me speak, there's not much of an accent here. I've been told we have no accent. And so if you get a caller that has an accent, in my market, this is going to sound completely racist, but I'm just going to go there. Um, it sounds like they might be, they're Latino. Well, some people don't want to talk to a Latino person or they you know, are judgmental about the person based on the accent that they have. So absolutely, it has been a problem. One of the things that thousandcallsaday.com does and the, one of the things that's so awesome about it is they will look at your market and what you need. You need a man or a woman, old, young, and they'll help place a calling assistant that's a good fit for your market. So you don't have to go through five or six calling assistants. They'll get you a calling assistant that's going to work for you. What kind of cost would people be looking at if they wanted a calling assistant? So if you go through my out desk, you're going you're to expect to pay around $8.60 an hour. And you can do it part-time. You can do 20 hours, which is going to run you about $800 a month. Or you can go full-time, which is going to run you about $1,600 a month. If you go out to a site like Elance, um, and there's like five or six other sites like that, you can usually find someone for half that cost. You could pay like around $4 an hour. But what we have found is by hiring calling assistants through 1,000 calls a day and my outdesk, they make sure that that person has experience in real estate. A lot of times they know how to use the Boomtown system and Mojo Dialer, and they've been vetted essentially. They have a high school, at least a high school diploma or, or better. And the, you get what you pay for with calling assistance. So 1,000 calls a day was born, and they actually modeled their entire business off of the success I was personally having in Omaha. And that's why they hired me as a consultant. I could have been an owner, but I chose to consult versus own. 
and that is for another day. But one of the things that they had done is essentially modeled it off of our model. We were having so much success with this done for you calling solution. And one of the things that I would do with every applicant is I would require them to do a two minute mock call and submit a video of their mock calls. So I can get through like 15 or 20 applicants and pick somebody that is the perfect fit. You know, if someone goes out and gets someone on their own, they have to hold them accountable. They have to do the daily call. They have to coach them. They have to provide them with dialogues. They have to benchmark and, you know, help them to improve. Thousand calls was born because most realtors shouldn't not only are they not probably very good at it, but they also shouldn't spend their time managing a calling assistant if they can outsource that to somebody else. We've already identified that a good agent's time could be worth as much as $1,000 an hour. So 1,000 Calls was born to essentially provide all of the back, all of the support back office for agents across the country's calling assistant. And so they do a daily huddle, a daily training. They do um, they pro- they provide essentially the middleman between the client who is our who is the agent and the um, the calling assistant. It's in Houston, Texas, is where essentially thousand calls exists. Its headquarters exists, and it's been hugely successful. There's like a six week waiting list right now if you wanted to get a calling assistant to start making calls for you. Through the thousand calls per day, how much does that calling assistant cost? Okay, so if you went to my outdesk on your own, it's about sixteen hundred bucks a month. Thousand calls charges a thousand dollars a month to manage your calling assistant for you. So it's twenty six hundred dollars a month. Okay, they're overseeing the calling assistant, and for that, they're charging a thousand dollars a month. Plus, you pay what you normally would have paid by going through an outdesk or another company. So about sixteen hundred. So you're looking at about twenty six hundred dollars per month to make that whole thing work. And you're going to get results of, say, uh, what it, the, the name says, about 1,000 calls per day. You're going to get 1,000 calls a day. You're going to get 10 leads a day. So this is what people are like, oh, my gosh, $2,600. Anyone that runs a business understands that if they put a dollar in and get a dollar fifty out, it's worth it. What I've seen as an ROI on 1,000 calls is a 10-time return, a 1,000% return. So if I, I know last year we tracked it. We sold out of 425 units, 20% of our unit sales came from people that had been touched at some point by 1,000 calls. So eight, we did about 80 transactions that, from leads that we gave credit to 1,000 calls for because they had touched that lead at some point and we'll call it resurrected or re, you know, got that lead to come out of a database that our agents probably would have never found. You look at the numbers and they're staggering. So if you have a full-time calling assistant with 1,000 calls, we have them on systems that most teams and agents, even my outdesk, doesn't utilize to help them touch as many people as possible and touch quality, you know, not just the, the quantity, but make sure their quality touches. So out of 1,000 calls, you know, I already went through the numbers. They, they, they talk to 10%, and then out of the 10% they talk to, they can convert another 10%, which is about 10 leads a day. Well, 22 days in a month is 22,000 um, 22, calls. And out of those, you're going to expect, I expect, 220 leads a month. So if my agents can't convert one of those, then I'm losing money. But out of 220 leads, we already have established that I'm converting 3%. That's about seven transactions, $35,000 in GCI per month is what I would you know, attribute to 1,000 calls a day. And it's 2650 And you have one calling assistant? I have one full-time calling assistant. So one calling assistant that you paid uh, approximately 30000 a year to, you know, total cost, and it resulted in 80 closings. Uh, it does sound like a pretty good ROI there. Yeah. Well, that's 400000 for the listeners out there. Yeah, I spent thirty grand to make $400,000. <laughs> 
You can be as skeptical as you want. Bottom line is you put anybody on a phone. I don't even care if they barely speak English. They talk to that many people. They're, you're you're going to have success. And a lot of people are like, well, who are they going to call? You know, not everyone has a database of 50,000. You can have a database of 20 people, uh, you know, your past clients, and at least have them call your past clients every month and just offer something of value. So I have them call our past clients every single month and just thank them for using Omaha's Elite Real Estate Group and find out if they have any questions. They just say, hey, Mike, it's uh, Alvin calling for Jeff Cohn. He wanted me to touch base and see how you guys are doing. Well, of course, it's better if Jeff Cohn calls them, right? Well, I have thousands of people. I can't call everybody. But how awesome is it that Jeff's assistant called me today just to see how I was doing? Well, you know what? It's funny. You called today, Mike. We just got offered a job in Denver, Colorado. We're going to be moving next month. Have Jeff give me a call. We'd like to get our house on the market. See, this is a relationship business. Everyone hears it, but they're not doing it. You have to have relationships with people to be able to do a relationship business. You know, I think a great book out there, if I want to throw a book out, is Seven Levels of Communication by Michael Mayer. Amazing book. Phenomenal which talks about the best way to communicate with people. The best way to communicate with people is in-person meetings, but we don't have the time to be in-person face-to-face with everybody. So the next best way is over the phone. Then the next best way is calling them. And if you can't call them, you write them a letter. And he, he talks about power notes in his book. And if you can't write them a letter, you have your assistant call them. I would say that's where it lies on that line of, of conversation. But who, how awesome is that? And so the other thing we do is when they're making their calls, they're using a mojo dialer. So if they don't get a person to answer, which is 95% of the time, instead of leaving a, their voicemail, they're going to drop my voicemail. So that's where it actually does feel more sincere is I'm going to leave a voicemail. I'm going to create a voicemail for my calling assistant that says this. Hey, it's Jeff Cohn. It's been forever since we connected. I hope everything's going well. We should get together sometime and grab a coffee. Hey, if you have any questions about your house or the market or anything, you always know you can reach out to me. And obviously my business was built on referrals. I'm sure you come in contact with people every month that are thinking about buying or selling a house. It would mean the world to me if you would be willing to give them my contact information. My cell phone number is still 402-452-0642. Call me anytime. Have a great day. Bye-bye. And now when they make 1,000 calls today and have 100 lines that pick up and it's a voicemail, they drop that voicemail to my past clients. There's all sorts of other campaigns that you can do and just thinking outside the box. And that's one of the things 1,000 calls provide you with a success coach that's going to talk to you about strategies like that one to help you get in front of as many people as possible. So imagine, and just taking you into one more idea, imagine a just listed voicemail that you leave specific to different subdivisions. So you get on Mojo, you create five voicemails for five different subdivisions, which is a thousand numbers. And you just say, Hey, it's Mike. Uh, I specialize in your neighborhood. You've probably seen our signs around. We just sold the house down the street and it's real. It's we sold out the one, two, three Jefferson street last week for $227,000. And we're calling other people in the area to find out if they're ready to sell their house. Call me back. So they do just listed or just sold calls. And if the person doesn't pick up, they leave that voicemail, the agent's voicemail. So they are an extension of the agent. Essentially. That's what a done for you calling assistant is. That's a great way to leverage technology and another person. And in this case, another person on the other side of the planet that's pretty impressive. Jeff, let's, let's move back to where we were on your sphere of influence past clients. You said that you put them electronically into the same database as your other leads that are coming in and they receive the same information. Question, do you do anything unique for your personal sphere of influence or your personal past clients beyond what you're doing for all the other leads in the system? 
The only thing I would say that I'm doing unique is sending uh, a postcard every three months for the first five years after they've bought or sold. Now, I exited my personal business two and a half years ago. So I don't have people that I would consider my sphere any longer. They're, they are my sphere. I am mailing them because I sold them houses two years or two and a half years ago, but I won't be the person that's going to be working with them. So what I've trained the agents to do is every time they sell a house, we use a company called the Personal Marketing Company. You may have heard of it, or TPMCO is what a lot of people refer to it as. So once you've closed, you just bought a house with me here in Omaha, Mike. I pay $13 one time to this company, and I don't have a link of that there. I should add that. But I pay them one time $13. The next five years, that client's going to get a postcard from me, branded by me and my company, and that's going to go out to them every three months. So 20 postcards for 13 bucks, and then you don't have to manage. You just put them into the system, put the address, hit play. I think that's pretty cool. I think that's pretty unique. I've never seen anything else like that. I assume you track that. Is business coming back in off of those postcards? I actually have not had anyone come back in and said it's because of the postcard. And that's one of those things that's not really directly trackable. Um, I believe in the seven touch theory that any person that's going to buy or sell with you has to have heard you, seen you, or heard of you uh, seven times before they work with you. That's going to be one of our seven touches. Most people aren't going to say, I got the postcard and I remembered to call you. It's just going to be one of the, one of the seven touches. Another thing we do is every closing we have, we set them up on an automatic email of their new house uh, for any house that hits the market in their new house's subdivision. Just like I told you, we would offer that to someone that we've never talked to before. We tell all of our clients, hey, just so you know, I added you on an automatic email every time a house hits the market in your neighborhood so you can kind of keep tabs on what's going on in, in your new neighborhood. And that's a great way to stay in front of people. But the number one reason people didn't use their same agent the second time they went to buy or sell a house was because they couldn't remember their name. That's a NAR stat from last year. 87% of people said they would use the same agent if they were to go and buy or sell another house. Only 7% of people did, and the reason that they said they didn't use the same agent is because they couldn't remember their name. So how embarrassing is that? It's not that hard to keep our name in front of people as long as we're providing them with things of value that they're going to look at, and when then the time does come, they'll know, you know, typically, ideally, with email, they can just search my name in their inbox, and they're getting two emails a month through viral marketing, and they can find me that way. Well, Jeff, you, you mentioned the third bucket here, and that's circle prospecting. You start to go down that track for a minute. Tell us just who are you calling? Who are your agents calling with the circle prospecting? So, yeah, circle prospecting, you know, defining it again, it's going to be anyone that did not come from an internet lead or a social media lead, and it's going to be anyone that doesn't know you. So they're not in your sphere. These are complete strangers, and there's a lot of different great ways of going about working prospecting, what I've trained my agents to do is do what they're going to do. So lots of do's there, Mike. Um, what I mean by that is it's like if you were going to get on a weight loss regimen and you hate running on the treadmill, but you love getting on the elliptical, I'm going to tell you to get on the elliptical, even though I think you can lose more calories on a treadmill. Agents are the exact same way. And everyone listening is agreeing with this. And some people hate prospecting. It's like the end of the world for them. But they could sit in an open house for six hours and bake cookies and shake everyone's hand, and that, that's where they're comfortable. Do what you're going to do. And so where we have found our agents to be the most successful with their prospecting or cold prospecting efforts is, number one, open houses. Um, open houses have been a great source for lead generation. All of our sellers love it, so it, it kind of kills two birds with one stone and we generated a ton of leads off of it. Um, always make sure the person registers and always give away a prize. So everyone that registers um, for, and at our open house, we give away like a $50 
the agent will give away, truly give away $50 gift cards to a restaurant or something like that to one lucky winner who gave us their contact information, but so did six other people. Um, number two is going to be expired calls. Expired calls have always worked. They still work if you work them the right way. For sale by owner always works if you work it the right way. Just listed, just sold calls. That's just a, hey, we just listed a house. And by the way, this doesn't be, have to be a house that you listed. This could just be a house that got listed. So if you're working in the million price point and you haven't really broken into it yet, you can just let millionaires, you know, the millionaires in the luxury price point know that a house was listed in their neighborhood recently for 1.3 million. That doesn't mean it's your listing or even your broker's listing. It just means a house was listed. Same thing with sales. If a house just sold in a million dollar area, you can call and say, Hey, did you know the house up the street just sold for 1.7 million? They're going to think you sold it. You're not going to say you did. You're just going to say a house was sold. And I've been told you can also advertise that way. So you can send out mailers to neighborhoods and let them know what's going on in the area as long as you're not taking direct credit. But just for the fact that you're sending out the mailer, a lot of times people think you were the one that sold. So a little technique there. And then the last thing, circle prospecting. And what circle prospecting is, is when you hone in on a very small group of people. It could be a subdivision. It could be a certain demographic. Let's call it 200 people. And your goal is to get on the phone with each of those people and, number one, ask them if they know anyone buying or selling. Number two is ask them if they themselves are considering buying or selling. And then number three is, worst-case scenario, capturing their email address. So it's really like the coldest way to prospect. Um, what I like the most out of all of what I just talked about is a market update phone call. And what a market update phone call is, it's literally you just picking what subdivisions you want to list more homes in, and you call the homeowners and let them know you're a top agent in their area, your team has done X, Y, Z this first two quarters of the year, and you want to let them know how great of a market that we're in right now. And that homes in their area are selling on average in 26 days, and the average price point's gone up by 7000 and you wanted to know if they had considered selling their house anytime in the near future. I love market update calls because that's what I would care about. If I lived in a neighborhood, I want to know what my house is worth today. I'd be interested in that. The rest of the stuff seems fluffy cat to me. What I'd like to do at this point is shift over and talk about your team. You got 37 members on your team. Could you give us a, a quick overview of the positions of the people on your team and what their responsibilities are? Sure. Yeah, and I'm really glad we're doing this because I feel like this is something that usually gets passed over in interviews. And there are some key players here that I think add a lot of value that some people might find interesting. So as I go through these, do you want me to talk right now about compensation or anything like that? Or do we want, will we revisit that once I come back through a second time? Yeah, that'd be fantastic if you could add in a little tidbit like compensation or anything else you think is valuable for someone to know about these positions. Sure. So let me preface what I'm about to share with everyone listening today and let them know I pay $0 for all the roles I'm about to talk about. And how I pay $0 is on every closing, we charge a fee. In Nebraska, we're able to charge what we call a broker commission or a broker fee. The language always changes of what we're allowed to call it. But essentially, on every buy side transaction, we charge $599. And we get to retain all of that except for what our broker takes, which is a very small percentage of that. And then on every listing side, we charge $999, in addition to the commission that they're paying us. And we call it our broker commission or our broker fee. Well, I have chosen to add a um, add admin based on how much money I had left over at the end of each year that has gone to that broker fee. That's how we've gotten so big administratively. And the reason we got so big administratively, you essentially take a pyramid, turn it upside down. Your team of agents is truly, those are the people that your admin is serving. 
And so if you think of a pyramid, I'm putting the agents at the bottom and the admin at the top, but you flip it around, the, the admin's serving those agents. If you don't have enough admin at the core, then I believe your team fails. And that's where I think a lot of teams have failed is there's not enough admin roles. A number that I'll throw out there, sorry, I'm all over the place. You talk about your rabbit holes. So I'm getting multiple here. But um, you talked about how many you know, transaction coordinators you may need. I've heard every 300 transactions requires an additional transaction coordinator. Now, your market might be different, maybe may more or less labor-intensive, so you need to know your own model better than anyone else, but that's a good number or a rule of thumb to look at. So if each year I had a surplus of $50,000, then I'm going to find people to fill that role. I have never chosen to take that money directly as income. So the roles on our team, number one is CEO, who is still me, myself, I pay myself $124,000 a year salary. Um, number two is an operations manager. Our operations manager runs the entire admin staff. He also is responsible for all of our marketing efforts. So he creates the relationships with all the different marketing that I've talked about today, all the different um, websites that we partner with, and SEO, PPC, he's in charge of all of that. He also shoots all the videos for us and he does all of our commission checks. And I pay him uh, a base salary, which is about $15,000 a year, and a huge bonus, which is $200 a transaction. So you can do the math on that. We're going to do 700 units this year. He also started the team with me. So I'm a 100% sole owner, but he was there from the beginning. And the next one's going to be a sales manager. He's also a full-time agent. Uh, I pay him $3,000 a month. And there is a bonus incentive built into that year end, which would cap at about $5,000. So he's making about 40 a year right now. And he's part-time working 20 hours a week. Uh, I have a listing coordinator full-time. Uh, she gets paid $41,000 a year. And she also has a bonus incentive built into that that caps at $5,000. So she'll make about $46,000 this year. We have a buyer's coordinator. So the listing coordinator just focuses on, obviously, listing side inputting the listings, uh, a lot of other little things surrounding listings. The buyer coordinator just focus on the buyer side. Uh, our buyer's coordinator is going to start off at $30,000 a year with no bonus incentive. Our sign runner, we have a sign runner that works four hours a day, five days a week. I pay him uh, $1,200 a month, and I reimburse him for gas. His job is to take signs, lock boxes, flyers. Uh, and when a house comes, we, we have coming soon in Nebraska, so we have to go to the property four times. Um, throughout the duration of a listing. So it saves our agents a ton of time. And you'll find, Mike, as I finish out this list, there's a lot of roles here to make it so the agents don't have to do a lot of things your traditional agent does have to do. We call this assembly line real estate. So like our listing and buyer coordinators on our team, they do everything post-executed contract or post a new listing signed. So if an agent on my team lists a house, they're done until they have to negotiate a contract. Everything is, else is handled through our listing coordinator, ordering signs, lock boxes, pictures, video, a stager going out to the house, any extra addendums that need to be signed. Oh, and by the way, all of my admin staff are licensed agents. So they can meet with the clients and sign stuff. They can help with any other paperwork that needs to be signed from an agent standpoint. Client care specialist. This person is the liaison between any client that executes a contract. Um, I pay her $15 an hour and she comes in Mondays and Fridays. She also manages, we have a system for testimonials from past clients called Real Satisfied, which is awesome. If you haven't seen it before, go to my website, omahaselite.com, and click on a majority of the links at the top. You'll see on the right-hand side of every page, there's these little testimonials that flash by. 
Well, what's unique about our testimonials is those are all testimonials we've received within the last seven days. Those are all live testimonials. They're not static that sit there for a year. And so we think that our clients really like that. Another role is virtual assistants, which I talked about. We have one full-time um, virtual assistant that's making calls. We have another full-time virtual assistant in the Dominican Republic who posts houses for us to Craigslist. And he posts 150 houses every single day to Craigslist. If you're not posting to Craigslist today, that is the least expensive lead source that exists. Uh, he usually charges around $500 a month to post. And we made, last year we sold about 50 or 60 houses off of Craigslist alone. So it's a great place to, to advertise. There's a link for his contact information at EliteRealEstateSystems.com. Just click on Real Estate Tools and Services. And he is the owner of All Tech World. It has his email address. Reach out to him. His name's Alberto. Great guy. Um, next is going to be my agents. I have 25 full-time agents. Full-time is 40 hours or more a week. I have five part-time agents, and those are those can consist of, of some of those admin roles. They're not if you're not full-time, that means you don't get leads, but you still might be on the team in another capacity with a license. So we have 30 agents, but only 25 are full-time agents. And then we have two showing assistants, and actually we have three. We just hired another one last week. So a showing assistant is someone that goes uh, goes out and literally opens doors for one of our agents. Those showing assistants are not full-time agents. They are obviously part-time agents on our team. Uh, they are not getting internet leads. They can still sell. They can still list and work their business the way they want to. But they're usually part-time agents. You know, they might be a stay-at-home mom. Uh, they might be somebody that has a full-time job during the week but wants to show houses on the weekend. And they get compensated per showing. And so they get, we pay them $5 a showing, typically. That's negotiable depending on the location of the showing or how many houses are getting shown. But we find that they usually make about $20 an hour. They can usually show around three to four houses an hour. So I think I hit all the key roles. Did I miss anything else that you wanted to follow up with me on, Mike? Yeah, Jeff, I, I'm sorry. You may have said it. Maybe I missed it. But did you tell us the compensation for your agents? I did not mention compensation for agents. Unfortunately, I assumed that the listeners would assume that it's commission-based, but that is not always the case. I know there's a lot of models out there that are not always commission-based, but my team is 100% commission-based. So the way that the splits work on those commissions, and I'm happy to share that with the audience, um, the way my splits work, and I'm probably the most generous team leader I've seen in the country, 57% of my GCI last year went to agent commissions. I have a 50-50 split off of the net, and my broker keeps 6%. I'm 100% at Berkshire Hathaway with a broker keeping 6 So I'm actually keeping 94%. The agent gets 50% of that on a buyer lead that I've given to them. They get um, 35% of that on a listing lead that I've given to them. So our listing side split is a 35-65 with me keeping 65. If it's a listing that they've created out of their network, it's a 60-40 split with them keeping 60 and me keeping 40. And if it's a buyer lead that they've created, I have them on a graduated graduating scale of 60-40 up to 80-20, which increases by 5% every million they do in production, which is reevaluated at the end of each year. Well, Jeff, I know that you, you've mentioned along the way you have some of these affiliated businesses, and I appreciate that, but I also think you, you have, you've mentioned something about consulting or coaching or something like that. What's going on there? What are you doing? So what I found is a lot of the podcasts I've been on and the places I've traveled, people want to learn from me now. And, you know, there's I am a full believer in pay it forward. I have had so many experts across the country 
help me get to where I am today. And I want to help others as well. So I used to do this for free. And what I found was the types of people that chose to visit me, maybe weren't at a place in their business. I would have expected them to be, to be willing to take a whole day of my time to dedicate to them. So I had to monetize it and I I put a cost on it. It's $3,000, but anyone listening today that wants to come to Omaha and get a full in-depth review of all the things we talked about today. Literally, it's a 12-hour coaching and consulting workshop. Um, they would come in on a Sunday night, and they could spend, they'd spend an hour with us in our management meeting. Um, they'd go to that accountability meeting we talked about. They'd get to watch firsthand how we conduct a one-on-one meeting with our agents to hold them accountable. And then I would spend three or four direct hours with this individual, consulting them on their business with, with where they are today to help them get to where they want to get tomorrow. And if that's something of interest to you, what's awesome, I have a site all set up so you can check it out, uh, EliteRealEstateSystems.com. Just click at the top of the page on consulting. I have a nice little video. You can see some other folks that have come out and checked us out. In the next week or two, there's going to be a link on there called Testimonials, which are going to be um, showcasing five or six other people that have already taken advantage of this workshop this year, and they're going to talk about it. So if that's something of interest to you, you want to come check out Omaha, spend a day with me, I would love to, love to meet you and love to share my, my business with you. Well, Jeff, what drives you? I don't know that I can answer directly what the thing is that drives me, but there's definitely a fire that's always been inside of me. Um, And I'll share a short, funny story. That fire started when I was in kindergarten. And when I was in kindergarten, in the elementary school I was in, um, it went to sixth grade. My brother was in sixth grade at that elementary school, and my sister was in fourth grade. And they offered a Nintendo first generation, I think they were 32-bit Nintendos, to whatever person or family sold the most candy bars. So at five years old, my dad took me and my brother and sister to a national chain grocery store, um, and we sat out there with their permission. We had a table set up for four consecutive days, and we beat everyone at the, at the school by, you know, we, we crushed everyone by like 8,000 candy bars or something ridiculous, and we won the Nintendo. So I share that story because that was the first time I felt like by actually physically doing something, I could get a result. And it was pretty cool back in, I don't know, when would that be, 1986, 1987, to have a Nintendo as one of the first ones that had come out. But I would say today, Nintendos aren't what are driving me, but results drive me. Results um, definitely motivate me. And I think the best answer would be always becoming better than what I was yesterday. So always becoming my best self and reinventing myself each and every day in, in all the most important aspects of my life, Mike. And I narrowed those, I've narrowed those aspects down into the same thing Gary Keller narrows down in The One Thing, which is another great book I'd recommend the listeners to read if you haven't already read it. And that's going to be spirituality. Uh, that's God. It's going to be family, the relationship I have with my spouse. It's going to be finances which is what I choose to do with my money. It's going to be work, which is the businesses I own and run. And it's going to be, I call pleasure time or fun time. And so every day I'm thinking about this. I actually, I set goals every hundred days. And within those hundred days, I do something very, very specific, very, very focused within each of those categories to help myself become better. Well, Jeff, why have you been so successful well, you know, I think first we have to define what success is. You know, if someone in the audience is listening and they've defined my success based on the money I make or the size of the team, I think that they'd be missing the mark. I do feel like I am a successful person, and I'll go back to my answer as to what motivates me. I think success is attained by always becoming the best that you can become for yourself and your situation every day. 
and striving for excellence, striving to be, you know, the best person that you can be. That doesn't mean you're selling a lot of houses. You know, that, that might mean you're spending more time with your family. And I think that's always been something that's ring true for me is not trying to be successful just financially, but being successful in that I live and lead a well-rounded full life. And I honestly feel like, Mike, and you probably will agree with me, a majority of the top real estate agents I see in the country and a majority of the most quote-unquote successful people, I don't think they are successful. And obviously that's judgmental, but I'm not seeing them leading happy, fulfilling lives. I'm seeing them put too much emphasis and too much time into making money and less emphasis and less time into becoming a better person. Well, Jeff, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Get on the phone. Number one, if you're wanting to generate more revenue, sell houses, you're going to have to make, I, in my opinion, your time should be spent four hours, five hours a day on the phones, doing all the things I've talked about today within that prospecting bucket. And also you're following up with your sphere. We talked about your sphere. I wouldn't suggest you're getting into the internet lead gen game for the first couple months. I want you to have a couple of commissions coming in and you can allocate some of that money um, to internet leads. Another thing, Mike, that set me apart, and I wish I had done it sooner, was interviewing top agents. I waited until 2011, so I was in the business in 07, 08, 09, 2010, four years before I started interviewing top agents. Listening to podcasts like this one, for me, Mike, what really has excelled my business was when I started opening up books, listening to podcasts, and meeting agents in person, it, it actualized or it it solidified that if I put in the effort, I would get the result. There wasn't a question. It wasn't, you know, walking by faith. It was knowing that I would be successful. And once anyone listening has made the decision that they will do the goal that they set out to do, the question then becomes not if it will happen. The question then becomes when it will happen. And I knew for myself in 2011, when I started to build the mega team, I knew I would be where I am today. I have goals so much further than where I am now, and I know I'll get there. It's fun. The journey is the fun thing. The journey is the happiness, and it's just making the right choices along the way. Jeff, what is your ultimate goal with your real estate practice? My number one goal is that all of the agents on my team are making the money that they want to make, that all of my administrative staff is happy, and that I'm paying them the amount of money that they deserve. And then my next big thing is coaching, consulting, and expansion. So I literally, I said at the beginning, and I'll say it now, I would like to have one real estate, elite real estate systems team in every single real estate office in the country, across every brand, across every brokerage, every single office in the country will have an elite real estate system. That's incredibly ambitious. How much time have you given yourself to achieve that goal? I'm full-time in the elite real estate system. So starting about four months ago, um, I essentially have removed myself 99% from my day-to-day responsibilities within all the other businesses that I own, which we haven't talked on that very, very much, which is fine, but I am putting full focus on expansion teams. That's my future. And Jeff, when do you plan to achieve one team in every office in the country? How far out are you looking for achieving that goal? 2025. I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Yes, I do. You know, I heard interviews like this one 
when I first got into the business and it was overwhelming. I mean, there's so many pieces to this and, you know, I go down even the list of my admin staff and it feels like it's so far away. Like maybe when, you know, if you're 20 years old, maybe when you're 40 years old, you could do this. Or maybe when you're close to retirement, your business would look like this. I want everyone to know. I, I honestly feel like I came from, I came from an average city. I'm in Omaha. It's a great city, but it's just average size. I come from a middle-class family. My, both my parents worked hard for the, what they had. We lived in an average house. I had average schooling. I have an undergrad degree from a local school here. But I have chosen to live an extraordinary life and make choices in my life that would get me places that no one in my family had ever been, that most of my friends have never been, and help me to serve other people and change literally the lives of those that are around me. And anyone listening, I'm, guys, this was like five years ago that I got licensed. You know, this, this interview, we're at, I'm 33 years old. And so I think about that a lot of times when I'm listening to other people. And a lot of times I hear people say, well, that's, you know, that's 20 years ahead of me. It's not. You can have a team just like mine in five years from now if you focus and make the choices that I made five years ago. And I'd like to leave everyone with that. Well, Jeff, you have led an extraordinary life. And you've inspired other agents to do the same. You had a super fast start selling 56 homes and netting 96000 your first year. You've ramped up your business with your three lead generation buckets of internet leads, past client sphere of influence, and circle prospecting. You build a team, installed systems, and developed a culture of accountability. Now your team is all grown up and running without your daily involvement you've achieved the seventh level. Now you're reaching for the eighth level, expansion teams. I predict you'll find the answers you need to make it work and have an expansion team in every major office in the country by 2025. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 165 homes last year worth $27 million in a rural part of the country. Find out who she is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.